Audio Gyan with Kedar Nimkar, a podcast that documents insightful conversations with Indian designers, artists, musicians, writers, thinkers, and creatives of all types. Catch us on iTunes or visit audiogyan.com for more Gyan sessions. Here's your host, Kedar Nimkar. Mark Twain once said, "Work like you don't need the money, dance like no one is watching, and love like you have never been hurt." Seems like Mark Twain knew one of the secrets of Bhagavad Gita. do things without any expectations to explore these philosophical thoughts and connect the dots of western world to india spirituality through dance i have ashley lobo with us on audio gang uh, he needs no introduction for the people in the field of performing arts uh, but for those who don't know ashley is considered to be the spearhead of international dance in india his career in performing art comprises of over 35 years of performing choreographing and teaching in india and overseas so uh i welcome and uh, thank you ashley for giving your time and it's a real real honor to have you on audio gang thanks kedar for having me it's a pleasure to be here so as i mentioned uh, i'll i'll would like to just understand and document few of your thoughts like more philosophical aspects uh, of passion for dance your work overall and and the future of dance also in the current time so we'll be briefly touch upon it because anyways things are changing slightly uh, due in the pandemic but uh, the main premise is about understanding your thought process and i've come up with a few questions and we'll we'll just explore and understand your thoughts sure cool so to begin with uh, i would go down the history and would like to ask a more primitive form of what what was like dance in the primitive stage like uh, like is it was it a creation was it an invention or was it just a discovery because i did one audio gain with a very senior person in tabla uh, and he was like 80 years and he said uh, sudhir mainkar and he said that uh, people just started understanding beats from the nature and that's how tal was evolved so similarly uh, i would like to understand where and how did like dance come from and why is it also considered such a divine art form i think i think the source of dance the source of dance is uh I think it comes from thousands and thousands of years ago, and it's very similar to music. I think it emerges from the human spirit and from the 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 need to celebrate, the need to connect with the rhythm within ourselves, and that rhythm within ourselves then got translated outward into the body and into movement and into sound and into various other areas. So universal rhythm translated through the body to me is dance, and I think uh, the emergence of that, very much like music, would have been very very organic. Mm-hmm. Coming from the universe itself, I don't think it came actually from any uh, particular need or desire. I think it came more from just a natural movement. I think uh, of the universe and understanding the rhythms of the universe, and we resonate with the universe's rhythms. So dance is basically a resonance of that. It's when you're not resonating with the rhythms of the universe is when you're actually disconnected and you're not dancing. Even breath, even breath, in a sense, is like dance. You know, it's your. there is a certain lilt to it there is a certain breath like breath has a certain rhythm and even that the energy is dancing within and outside the body so dance i think existed even before man existed it exists in the universe wow the trees are dancing all the time <laughs> mm-hmm. wow that's very nice uh, and then then why was it like i'm sure there must be some instances where people started moving their bodies uh, to a particular beat 
so why why and like at what point in time people must have realized that this is sort of a divine thing to do or uh, again is it inherent in nature any any thoughts there i think i think i think from from what i understand of dance right now i think i think uh, dance to me i think the rhythmic nature of it is you have a heartbeat you have a breath i think falling in line with the rhythmic universe so the rhythms of the universe through movement brings you to a state of stillness because when you're moving in rhythm with something you automatically come to a point of zero so in that sense i think that's how dance took on the whole sense of divinity and took on the whole sense of of becoming something that was about worship or stuff like that it's like you dance to a point of going to the rhythm taking the rhythm to a place where you go to a trance almost and everything comes to zero and that you connect to the infinite or the god or or, or to breath or whatever so to me i think i think in my understanding of it i think going to the infinite is basically you coming into rhythm uh, with yourself and with the universe and bringing all three into one plane hmm hmm that's interesting okay and and then was it a i mean does it start like a solo activity or it was always a group thing i mean any any uh, do we have any references uh, like that i think there are many documented ideas of how dance would have started but i think i think at the time when dance really would have started nothing would have been documented i am a bit of a philosopher in the sense that i don't believe that anything documented necessarily comes from fact i believe even that is hearsay and that is hearsay coming from a place that is very very recent i i come back to that ultimate thought that i think dance would have emerged and emerged from one person probably <laughs> who started to move and found something and then over a period of time i i believed it would have then moved out and under, been understood as a way of either bringing people together on that one universal rhythm uh, through connecting through their own rhythms mm mm-hmm. correct yeah i mean these questions obviously like more towards like the academic side but uh, yeah. yeah it's it's uh, just to set the context and get the flavor so uh, you engage with jazz uh, classical ballet contemporary urban and funk uh so so what's your like overall process of i wouldn't say reconciling but you're just joining these two areas where you have the old age traditions of yoga and philosophy and 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 then the other spectrum you have these contemporary dance movements so can you can you just elaborate on that like what's the overall process see, like see if you look at if you look at yoga like even within yoga yogic philosophy you know you're you're looking at breath which is pranayama and you're looking at even uh the actual uh, practice which is uh, asana hmm. so so you we already have we already have pranayama and asana in asana in in yoga itself okay so they are both so one is physical mastery and the other is the usage of the breath in usage of the breath for meditation and using of the physical you are actually combining both ways are ways to get to a point of zero to yourself so for me i think dance combines this combines both of them you are using physicality but when you bring the breath usage into that from yoga from the meditative process you are actually then coming coming to a point of total realization of the body hmm. it's not just uh, also as a dancer i think like bhakti you serve yeah and there is a philosophy of thought that you have to have as a dancer for the body to stay pure which is dharma so i think dance is very closely connected to yoga hmm. it does have the forelimbs you know you you do you do connect with those four points of yoga within dance except in dance like yoga is is more seen as as a ritualistic way of of moving physically to 
to as a physical exercise, whereas dance, you're just using it as movement to connect and to either entertain or engage. Mm. But I think the ultimate would be engagement because it would come from self-engagement. And then when you self-engage, you automatically engage the environment around you. Mm-hmm. So if you can give any example of for how uh, you can pick any like jazz or uh, I understand classical ballet uh, might have certain more resonance because of the, the the classical form of it, but any other particular form and then you try to marry these concepts or you, you discovered that they are already married. Can I think, I think, I, yeah. So I think, I think if you look at, if you look at yoga and, and uh, like, if you understand yoga, yoga is basically mastery of the body. When you have mastered and understood the body and you've come in, in line, in, in alignment with it, that is when you come to a point of zero. And I think it's the same with dance. So if I look at a dance style, like let's say jazz, for example, when you're studying jazz, what's the whole journey of any dancer? The whole journey of any dancer is to master the body and then renounce the body and allow the body to move by itself. Okay, and you're only dancing when you've completely renounced the body, when you've renounced all the technique that you've learned and you allow the body to move itself, trusting that the technique already exists. So in a way, when you're training to become a dancer in any form from zero, you go up to, let's say, point A. At point A, you've mastered it. You've understood the physiology. You've understood the breath and the connection of the physiology. And then from A, you come back to zero where you renounce the fact that you know all that language and you allow the body, the body to free flow in space to either an intention or a rhythm or a narrative or something, trusting that whatever you have mastered is going to come through. So it's almost a whole process of acquisition and renunciation. And true dance is when you come back to the zero. So if I look at look at a style like jazz, for example, when you start off with jazz, like what do you do? You study the whole body. So you start off with, let's say, uh, in, a de- in a general class, you start off with understanding the physiology, which is like you roll down, you open up the spine, you open up the joints gently, then you work with the floor to align the body and create posture. So you clean up the posture because the posture correction has to be, you're going to be in line with your, in terms of aligned with with the universe in terms of your posture. After you finish posture, you then come up and then you start to do what we call uh, isolations and coordination exercises. So you're learning how the different body parts coordinate together and how they work in isolation or in separation. Then you have a series of combination exercises which connect up the whole body through the fascial lines, which are basically connective tissue. So you're you're connecting up all 12 fascial lines through a series of connected exercises. And then from there, you then come down the hall, learning things like turns or what we call chenets or pirouettes or party parades, which are step ball changes, shift of weights, which are like the the and of, uh, of a language. Mm-hmm. which you can use by anybody else in the world, you know, so you'll have a step, 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 and then you have the, which will be a pirouette or a turn, step, 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 and a party parade, step ball change. So any choreographer in the world would have that in that form. And then finally, you bring the class down to a whole choreography, which is where you combine the whole alignment and the posture. You can align the, you, can, you use the isolation, the coordination, the usage of all the fascial lines and the, the and off, but into phrases of movement. And that's how a dancer learns. So once they've learned that and they've mastered that, then it keeps going up higher and higher and the complexity of the movement starts to increase and the ability of the strength and and, and flexibility starts to grow till you've conquered the movement and it's happening almost autopilot. And when it's happening autopilot is the point of where you start to renounce. And now you allow the body to improvise to the sound. And at that point of time, you're starting to dance. So the sound is actually what you're connected to, not so much the body anymore. The body just becomes like this speaker that is uh, 
that is speaking out what the sound is already produced hmm that's that's really fascinating so i have two questions on that one yeah. is uh, if you renounce then how do you find the balance because there is a important part which is uh which individually also has to be achieved and also in a group right yeah i so, think i think i think you can there are there are there are three parts to the body when you move one is the inner center so if you close your eyes and you just just focus within you will find that you exist somewhere in the body that's the center of the body and we call that the center we call that the dance center then you have your own physical body which is your hands legs your head and then you have what we or i call universal body which exists from the skin outwards to infinity Hmm. Okay, so when you move, you're mobilizing all three bodies. So when you move and you're mobilizing all three bodies, you're not. It's not about. Uh, it's about understanding the zero point of those three bodies, and everybody is listening to those three zero points. Does that make sense? Hmm. So if you have three bodies and I have three bodies, we will connect on the universal body, okay. because you and I share the both same universal body. and the audience shares the same universal body so as a dancer you're not communicating with the physical body you're actually communicating with the outer body because only in the outer body are you actually effective with an audience because then they can feel you mm-hmm. otherwise they can just see you correct correct what again at that at that point you're shifting energy you're not just moving the body mm-hmm. because you're moving the breath that's within and the breath that's outside you're working with both breaths correct correct i Is i mean I, yeah yeah it it makes complete sense because i can connect the dots in the music world uh, obviously i i'm not very uh, informed about dance in general and that's why yeah. this uh, this curious question as well but in music they say na that if if the two uh, instruments are correctly tuned and if you pluck one the other also uh, automatically exact okay. that's exactly because what you're yeah. looking at is you're looking at a, at a universal vibration that's been activated yeah. by one body and then that activation activates all the universal vibrations that exist in that room so for me always as a choreographer i think i've actually worked as a choreographer only when people have been able to feel the work rather than see it they should be able to close their eyes and still know that i've danced they should be able to visualize what's happening wow oh, because your resonance of the energy is so strong your understanding of how to shift the energy in the room is so strong mm-hmm. it's intense to understand even <laughs> even to visualize because uh you you're moving your body and creating those uh, things so it's it's slightly tough for me to comprehend but yeah uh, if you can uh, also talk about um, the prana paint technique uh, what it is about and like i i have so, like few more questions around it but uh, yeah. just to i think so prana paint is based on that the particular issues like it's it's basically for me prana is breath and painting is painting so you're painting with breath So if you look if you look at your body you got breath within the body and there's universal breath that exists outside the body and they're separated by the physicality. So every time you move in the space you're moving you're shifting the inner inner breath can shift through the body the outer breath. Mm-hmm. So when I'm shifting the inner breath is shifting through the flesh the outer breath you're painting the space. You're not moving the body you're painting the space so the whole body becomes a brush and the breath inside is the paint. and the universal body on the outside becomes part of the paint that then splashes onto the canvas which is either human audience or into the space in general so the mm-hmm. prana paint technique was was built on basically two things one is that your it it focuses on breath and bringing you to your zero point of complete breath so your whole focus of movement comes from the breath and the body is now relaxed and you use the skin the skin of the fascia the skin is connected to the fascia so we start by activating the skin to paint the floor and then from painting the floor that skin activates a certain sensation which goes into the fascia 
which then activates the muscle. And the muscle starts to move, and then the breath and the muscle, the prana and the body starts to move by itself. So it's almost like it's self-activated. So you're not logically moving the body. Mm -hmm. You're allowing the body to move through an activation of breath and sensation. Mm -hmm. And the formats that you've studied are already in the fascial memory. So they start to manifest by themselves. Mm. Um, it is a slightly uh, bouncer for me. Uh, okay. if, you can if you can illustrate with any example or any recent show you did, or maybe any, any way you can communicate with an example. Okay. It's, uh, okay. Let me, let me explain. Let, let me explain it in another way. Okay. When yeah. you're dancing, you're not moving through space. You're always painting something. You're either painting the floor, you're painting the air, or you're painting another dancer's body. Sure. So what you're seeing is you're not seeing movement, right? If it's movement, then it's just acrobatics. But the moment one body is interacting with another body, there's one body painting another body. And that interaction is where the connection is and where the interaction happens. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Okay. When you, when you, when you say painting, you're actually like in a layman's term, it's choreographing. So you're moving the body, the other body around, or you're just pushing it, or you're creating spaces between that. Is that what you mean? Yeah. You so say? think, think, think of your body as a paintbrush. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you, if you take your hand and you think of it as a paintbrush and you're painting the air outside, it's a very different movement to moving your hand. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then it's quite achievable, not just with, uh, in a group or like a couple dance or whatever, but uh, it's also possible in a solo performance as well. Correct. So you can do it as a solo dancer. You can do it as a couple. You can do it. So when you're dancing with another couple, for example, your hand, let's say you're doing a couple dance. So your hand is against her hand. Mm -hmm. So with your hand against her lower back, you are painting. Her lower back is painting against your hand. And that's what creates the movement. It's not you doing geometrical steps. Do you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the hand is, is, is gently caressing the lower back. That lower back sends a sensation through the center into the legs and the hands and they move. And that for me is dance. The wow. physical, the physical understanding of the mechanics of it has been done through years of practice before that. When you're actually dancing, you're not connected to the physical mechanics. It's presumed that the physical mechanics already is there. So the body is moving from a reflex, uh, that is started up through sensation and sound. It's not moving from a point of logic. Mm. It's like if I have to explain this in terms of like a sport, like a cricket, like a Sachin Tendulkar, if he's doing a cover drive, for example, he would have mastered that cover drive and the muscle memory. So when the ball coming is coming in at 157 kilometers per hour, he doesn't have the time to actually logically see it. There's a muscle memory that's already there and it, he's working from instinct. There's an instinctive mm. movement. So dance is like that. The muscles are memorized to a point where it's become instinct. And that is where you renounce the logic. Wow. I can again connect a dot in music because this is, I think I've, I've sort of understood because it takes like sometimes like a 40, 45 minute uh, for say like a Rashid Khan to establish say like a Bhairavi or a Mallar. Yeah. Uh, while Bade Gulam Ali can like do it in like a three minute record, like a LP record. So I think Correct. both have they've mastered the art of vocals and how to control the vocal cord. But the emotion aspect is, uh, is I think, with years of practice. Uh, is yeah, the emotional aspect comes when you trust the practice. Wow. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. When you trust the practice is when you actually start to dance. Mm -hmm. As long as you're still practicing, you're still a student. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> I can imagine uh, and and like now I'm really curious to experience it live. So yeah, coming to that part uh, like prana paint uh, is also sort of a like a indicator of a person going deep into say spirit. It's you find or, yeah, it's correct. Yeah, it's it's yeah. you finding your spiritual voice and then using the body as an instrument to paint shapes and tell mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. But it's actually a spiritual voice that's coming from inside that you're sharing with. So your stories are not based only on your own life but it's based on the collective life that you've seen around you so when you choreograph then you're bringing in other elements of other lives within the space because you are using that whole space in the creative world it's not so linear and logical mhm interesting so uh, can you talk about like uh, like dance as a means of self help because uh, this is one thing which has been i mean it's a it's a separate discussion it, it it can happen like a different audio can all together i understand yeah. but just briefly touch upon uh, especially if there's so much connection of spirituality to dance uh, i'm i'm sure that it would be really helpful to just to get a glimpse of how how useful it can be in the current times of stress or anxiety or even like thoda sa broader aspect dekhenge like there's a lot of social fragmentation happening yeah so you you got the picture right in the current yeah yeah time, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I think dance in the dance in the current times is going to be is perfect. I like I've done quite a few interviews on this as well because right now we're in a po- in a place of isolation and uh, when we're in isolation we tend to not activate our heart muscle so much as the head muscle because there's worry there is concern there is a sense of loneliness there's a sense of all the all the negativity comes in because you're left by yourself you know what I mean to to think so either you go into a state of meditation and come to your your deep center so you can observe everything uh or you meditate through dance anything that brings you to your heart brings you to a, to a different place now the very action of dance takes you out of your head and brings you into your heart and so for the even if you dance for like 1 hour a day just put the music on you dance for 1 hour a day it just gets you into another place and gets you out of the self talk it gets you out of the constant chatter that's happening in your head and there's a relief at some level in that for me that's a meditative space because in that one moment you're just with the music yourself and whatever you see which is your maker you know what i mean so in that moment you're completely unified there is no separation between the chatter and you so i think dance can be a great kind of thing in that sense also i think that when we do prana paint which is also about breath and about realization and you're actually realizing you're learning to move from what you hear of yourself it's the ability in prana paint to listen to yourself because you're listening to yourself and then you're moving you're not moving and asking other people to listen to you you are listening to yourself and you're observer and actor at the same time so in that point of complete complete connection to yourself you're completely disconnected from the outer world in a time like this i know you're isolated but in a point of isolation you want to understand real isolation if that makes sense because you can very you can very easily lose the term isolation in isolation uh, of brain activity or brain engagement yeah mm-hmm. and that can, that's one kind of isolation but you can also go into a complete sense of who you are and in seeing who you are in complete isolation you also combine and you see everything and in seeing everything you're no longer isolated anymore because you're connected to your universal body so okay. in that sense prana pain can really help you in terms of uh listening to your own inner voice shutting out the unnecessary sounds that are that are in the mind that clutter and at the same time connect to the universal body and recognize that you're not alone and you'll never be alone hmm. but this seems to be slightly disciplined uh, i mean it it needs to be disciplined because again i've i've i'll borrow one more example from the music world so when you 
take up like a like a guitar it's fine you can strum and you can just have sort of melodic uh, yeah. uh, sound to it but if you take violin uh, it it will sound very harsh for like couple of years so uh, similarly dance uh, if started really at a at a such a deeper level may become sort of disorienting as well so any thoughts around that it depends it depends yeah it depends on whether you're looking at at treating or teaching a particular format of movement you know prana paint is not a format of movement prana paint is a is a yogic meditic uh, movement technique that allows the person who's even a non dancer to find their dance within them so you are going the reverse like in dance you normally teach the body how some steps here you're listening to the body and seeing what the body wants to do Mm. Is, it, is it and you're listening to the breath and what about so it's more it's more a meditative movement meditation than it is a dance but in moving meditatively you're automatically connecting to a sound you're going connecting to a rhythm and you're moving from a true sense of yourself so there's no steps as such it's basically you're just freestyling but you're engaging your breath and every tissue and every cell in your body to move hmm. is it somewhere similar to like the baul movement or or the sufi music movement which happens correct it's like the sufi movement like how you have sufi but but sufi dances turn it's mm-hmm. similar to that it's not difficult it's just a question of connecting and that we in in prana paint what we do is we start off in a in a meditation where the, where the dancers all lie down and we it's like prana paint can be for anybody it can be for a lay person can be for 70 year old 80 year old because there's no age for you to connect to your breath there's no age for you to listen to yourself there's no age for you to move your body based on what you hear Interesting. The trees don't have rules for how they move. Mm-hmm. They listen to the breeze and they go. <laughs> That's a wonderful <laughs> way to look at it. Wow. You know what I mean? So yeah, so yeah. dance is not limited to uh, a vocabulary. Mm. And 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 limiting dance to a vocabulary would be extremely limiting. It's saying that a tree should only move a certain way. You know what I mean? Mhm. Like but the the format of a dance is is created so that like asana you have a formatted thing that gives you mobility and usage of all parts of the body through a logical method for someone who cannot approach it through an illogical way mm-hmm. but you can also approach dance illogically you don't have to approach dance only logically just like you don't have to approach yoga only logically through the asana you can also approach it through pranayama which is breath or through bhakti no but you have to somewhere put discipline have that rigorous training and then bend the rules right you can't really because that's the that's the stream which is happening i can see clearly there is lot more chaos just because of understanding the basics and then jumping the gun not really understanding the rules of it also so basic yeah. at a theory part is always good but basics at a practical aspect also is equally important right no it's very important it's very important see you can come to this realization these realizations uh will come to you after you've exited the body once you've conquered the body and you've understood it Mm. then is when you start to approach it and start listening to it before that there is a need to understand it mm. once you've conquered yourself through understanding the body then you can think of approaching it from without using the body and without using the patterns so mm. you like for me when you talk of improvisation in contemporary dance an improvisation another word for improvisation is exit that means you've entered the form you've mastered it and now you've exited it so contemporizing any dance form is actually going to a classical form mastering it and then looking at how you can improvise on something that you've mastered so if you haven't entered how can you exit <laughs> does that make sense yeah yeah absolutely i can so, i mean so, I so, really, huh. yeah so, so there's so a lot of people say i'm doing contemporary dance but they've never entered so what are they exiting 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you cannot con- it- you cannot contemporize something you haven't understood or mastered. That would be extreme arrogance. Correct, correct. You put it really beautifully. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, moving on, slightly changing tracks. I have like last two questions. So, in, yeah, in yeah. one of your articles published, uh, I think in two thousand seventeen, during your Agni production through the Navdara India Dance Theatre, yeah, uh, yeah, you mentioned about passion can create. I mean, I can see the like a nice segue to this. Uh, yeah. like passion can create or destroy. In creating, we destroy, and in destroying, we create. So. If you can elaborate on this, please, and I'm okay. also <laughs> I mean, I'm interested in knowing what got destroyed uh, as we kept evolving dance. Also, so that could be the second part of the question. But uh, just to understand that particular context. Okay, so there's two parts. I think I think passion for me, Agni for me is fire, and fire to me is passion. Okay, mm-hmm. passion is noted by fire for me. So passion can create. So fire, the fire energy in you can create or destroy. So in in layman's terms, I can be extremely passionate, and I can go out there and I can uh, build fifty villages and help people. Or that same passion can make me sit down and, out of my anger, burn down uh, a train, you know, or burn down a whole village. You know what I mean? So, I, passion can create or destroy in that sense. Hmm. In a broader, normal perspective, taken okay. at another level, any kind of evolution, any kind of evolution requires the destruction of a previous thought to create a new thought. You do not improvise on a thought. You destroy the understanding of that thought to create a new thought. Otherwise, it's not new. It's just an improvisation. Hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So for a constantly evolving person, you have to be in a constant state of creation and destruction of yourself. Mm-hmm. As an artist, you've got to be constantly destroying your previous idea to find a new one. If you don't create, destroy the previous idea, then you are still attached to it and you'll just go from A to B. But if you want to go from A to lamppost and really seek to understand a larger perspective of, 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 of your craft, then you need to destroy, not just evolve, not just move. Hmm. But again, this because also has to happen once you're mastered, right? Because otherwise it will be very anarchic, right? At some level, yes. At some level, no. For example, if you're, if you're learning, let's say you're learning because you're a musician. So let's say you're learning the guitar. To create the craft of the guitar, you have to destroy the sensation of pain in your fingers. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You cannot keep that alive. Sure. Because you keep that alive, you've got to destroy the pain in your fingers and you've got to create the thought you want to share with the audience mm. through those fingers when they press against the string. Interesting. Interesting. So at any point of time, you're always, whenever you're doing anything, when you're learning anything, you've got, there's a part of you that you have to destroy to become something else. You've got to let go of you. You've got to surrender. Mm. Mm. Because if you're in a state of half surrender, like imagine if I'm half thinking about the pain in my fingers when I'm playing that. I can't really communicate the thought that I want to with the, through the guitar. The chord will also be half. It'll sound strained. Mm. <laughs> but if I, in, in my own self, if I've destroyed the idea that that pain exists and I've created for myself a new reality of I'm producing melody, then the melody comes through. Mm. There, can be, there can be not even one breath of pain in that melody. Unless I want to bring that pain in. Correct. So I have to destroy that my physical experience to produce that sound. I can, so even, I can. You're, even you're learning dance, if you're doing the first stretch, 
You have to destroy the reality of what you believe your body is capable of to go to the next realization of the body. You cannot live in the past. You have to live in where you are right now and where the body is feeling and where it wants to go. You've got to listen to the body. You've got to destroy your idea of the body to move to the next point of the body. So it's a constant construction and deconstruction. Mm-hmm. And when you stop destroying, you stop creating. If you get attached, you cannot destroy. But then you're flatlining. You're stagnant. Correct, correct. I know, I mean, uh, this, uh, I have to re- listen to this again to uh, just comprehend it further. But the closest which I can uh, visualize is maybe the whiplash ka last scene, right? He, he just doesn't care about anything and he's in that rhythm which he has probably mastered and he wants to just express. There so, you go. There yeah. you go. So <laughs> now what he's done is, now what he's done is, he's destroyed any logical sense or rules in his head. And that has been the birth of the real music. Hmm. And that is what I was talking about, even with dance, you're renouncing it. Correct. But except there, but as on your journey to dance, you're, you're making very small, 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 small destructions and creation, the destruction and creation, then you get the macro destruction and creation, and then you're born as the artist. So you make a ma- many minor uh, destructions and creations to come to the macro artist, and then you have to give it all up at a macro level to become the real artist who is just listening and allowing the body to play by itself. The fingers don't even know that there's pain anymore. They only know how to produce sound Mm. through many hours of destroying the pain that the string pressed against the the skin and the nerves. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, it's it's just, it seems like um, inconquerable. (laughs) 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 It's not really. I I think to a large extent, I I don't think it's inconquerable. I I think it's a matter of choice. Mm-hmm. And it's a matter of accepting that, uh, accepting that the only change is is change. <laughs> <laughs> correct, correct. You know, the only constant is change. I mean, like yeah. the only the only thing that you that, that that remains the same is that you have to change. You can't you can't stay in the same place. And the moment you understand that, then destroying yourself and destroying your current existence is no big deal. Mm-hmm. Cool. I think. Uh, I mean, actually, you're just like uh, it, it's very uh, very interesting to know further of your thoughts and I can we can just keep going on but uh, given the the framework which we have I think I have one last question like which sure. is, what's what sort of like I mean after 35 years plus uh, you have give, you must have given like a real deep thought about uh, what what's the future uh, of dance for you I mean I mean there are certain trivial sections to it with uh, online classes and like social yeah. so we'll we'll take the trivial pass first uh, okay. Is which is about like how are group dances going to evolve? How is like a couple uh, dance going to evolve? Sure. Uh, and then like overall, like at a macro level, where do you see dance uh, future? I think I think in the future, I think it is going to be from what I can see, it is there is going. I don't think human interaction will ever drop because that will be the death of the human race if we don't interact. So I think there will be still human interaction. I think you'll still have performances and live performances and you'll still have that interaction, but it'll be greatly reduced because now the emergence of another digital form of uh, interaction and engagement will come in. Mm. Uh, when that, when, in, in that sense of the digital space, you can, we'll probably still have content where you're interacting with two and three people and one person. Not, not necessarily in the immediate sense, but down the track. Uh, in the immediate space, you won't have interaction with people like in duets and trios and group dance and stuff like that. 
But down the track, I do believe it will come back. Maybe not as much as it used to, because now it's like anything else. All of a sudden, there's this, like, the destruction of the physical stage has created, has given birth to the internet for movement. Do you know what I'm saying? That's a, mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. the, what, what, when you create, when it destroyed, that physical space got destroyed, it gave birth to another place where the art could happen. Mm-hmm. In a different way, in a, in a different way, in a more evolved way, in, in a sense. But I don't think that this will completely die out just yet because we haven't yet uh, come to that place where human beings don't want to meet or, you know, I think it'll Mm. take a while. It'll take a while. Right now, I think you'll have both. Initially, for the next six months, I think to a year, you'll probably maybe have more interact interaction on the internet. I think down the track, you'll have a combination of live and some of that live recorded because internet would have found a place for itself. And uh, you'll have both. Hmm. Correct. I don't think either will disappear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in the long run, the classical forms, there's still going to be ballets, which are going to be like maybe 100, 500 people sitting in together and watching that. I think that will never, ever go away. That can never go because I I don't think I don't think people came together for art for the sake of only the art. I think it was also a social gathering. Correct. correct. It was a place where people came together to talk and chat and Mm. And, and socialize. The music was just something that gave them a reason to come together. The dance was just a reason for them to come together because that brought them together. On So you bring people together on music or you bring people together on dance. But once they come together, they don't just partake of the music and the dance, they partake of each other as well. So I don't think you can uh, move to such a point of isolation where you'll never have those gatherings. They'll always exist. Maybe in, in probably more safer ways for considering the changing environment. But I don't think it'll ever disappear. Hmm. I, I would actually slightly counter here because you're being on the stage and you think that people have come, but at least people like me have come for the art and social gathering is just happening, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's yeah. what I'm saying. But that's exactly, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. That, you know, you come to see the art, but then, you know, social gathering is going to happen. Correct. And so no matter what, like yeah. either you'll go meet at a pub and how many times can you meet at a pub? How many times can you meet at a restaurant? At some point, you're going to think like, okay, I want to engage my mind. I want to engage another side of me. Mm-hmm. And that's when you'll want to go to a theater. But then if you're in a theater, you're getting sitting in interaction of people. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're sitting at home, you don't get that. So there is a certain, I don't think that will go. I cannot see that going in a hurry. Cool. And any last uh, um, concluding thoughts on I mean, this just came, struck me right now that uh, we we are working in the digital space and uh, there are certain things which are shut for the like social gatherings and stuff. So we are building products, we are building stuff which can be uh, really powerful when things open up. Similarly, any any word of, or I yeah, wouldn't I say word of advice, but suggestions for budding uh, dancers that this I is think the time now, that you can... I think even before this, I think even before this, like there's been already a huge move into mixing performing arts and the digital medium. So in in terms of multimedia, there's already been a huge move in contemporary dance overseas. So I don't think it's new, whether it's the usage of sound sensors or movement sensors, you know, in movement or the usage of light sensors in movement or the usage of 3D projection in movement with movement. I don't think that is new. That's already existed. And I think this is just going to speed up the possibilities and the ideas of that because now it's brought the spotlight onto another way to project art. 
So all of a sudden, that was an ancillary and this was and an, an stage was a main. Now, all of a sudden, that's been taken center stage for the last four months and it'll probably take center stage for another six months. But that will force people to figure out how to make this medium more advanced. So I see that I think one of the things I'd advise everyone to do is like, I have been collaborating a lot more in the last four months than I have in the last one year. Like I've had three interactive collaborations with people from all over the world on the internet. So because you don't have to travel, it doesn't cost you money to, to, to rehearse something. And I would never have entertained that thought six months ago. I said, no, I have to go there and rehearse with them. But now because of the situation, I've rehearsed with dancers in Japan, a dancer sitting in Japan, another dancer sitting in Mumbai, a musician sitting in Goa, uh, all three Japanese, and we put on a, a live internet show. So it's like, I couldn't even have thought of it six months ago. So there are many opportunities in a time like this. It's not just a point, a point of problem. There are opportunities because you don't have the cost of traveling. Correct, correct. You have, you, have, you have audiences that are 100% there. They are not distracted by anything. They're just at home. So if you can produce something that's really interesting, they will come and see you. If you're doing dance classes, today I can reach any bedroom in the, in the country or in the world. Earlier, I was only taking classes in Delhi and Mumbai where I was physically. So now my whole idea of taking classes has changed. <laughs> so, you know, out of every challenge, there's always an opportunity. And I think as artists, I think being creative, we should be creative and we should be looking at the opportunities at time like this and not looking at uh, just the, you know, the, 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 the challenges that we're having. Because to me, there is no challenges. There's only an opportunity because this will also pass and then we'll come back with an and, not with an either or. <laughs> and we'd have evolved in this. Do you know what I mean? We'd have yeah. found different ways to move forward with the art. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think uh, this is a good note to end this. Uh, obviously, I'll add like all the uh, links uh, for people to consume and to connect with you, collaborate with you in the show notes. Uh, on that note, uh, thanks, Ashley. Really, uh, really thankful uh, for giving your time. And it was really an enriching experience talking to you. Not at all. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks. And that's it from today's Gyan session. Catch us on iTunes, Savan, Stitcher or any podcasting app you use. Do rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Stay tuned for more Gyan on audiogyan.com. Till then, bye. Hello. It's been a great week on the IVM Podcast Network. On This Round is On Me, Gauri is joined by Shweta Nanda. They talk about the financial independence and how it is to be a woman entrepreneur. On Anish Thing, Anish welcomes ultra-marathon runner Shivani Gharat. Shivani shares her journey of how she ran her first marathon, the mindset of a runner, and what it actually takes to run a full marathon. On Cock and Bull, Cyrus, Naveen, Akash and Shreyas talk about the Korean band BTS serving in the military and its repercussions. On Think Fast, Varun and Suchita discuss Wing Greens and their latest acquisitions and about the Indian sexual wellness market. And on Shuni One, Sheila Dathya is joined by Dinika Bhatia, CEO and founder of Natigrities. They talk about coming from a business family and Dinika's journey in creating healthy and guilt-free snacking. Once again, don't forget to visit our merch store on ivmpodcast.com. We have some exciting new merch out there for you. Also, do follow us on social media. We are IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. And do remember to spread the word about these shows and any other shows you might be listening to. 
appreciate them rate them and review them wherever you are listening to them you can also check out all our other shows on youtube.com/ibmpodcasts and finally we would like to thank our sponsors this week volvo xc40 recharge bumble heads up for tails kotak privy league program and hdfc mutual fund thanks guys without you this would not be possible do you often find yourself surrounded by conversations about web3 blockchain nfts daos what are these terms and how do they affect our future on the internet so many questions but don't worry we've got answers to all your questions hi i'm eklavya bhattacharya and on our show future proofing we try to decode the impact of these future technologies on various industries with experts and tech enthusiasts Tune into new episodes coming out every Thursday on the IVM Podcast app and the website or wherever you get your podcasts from. <laughs>